Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Miss Christine Steimer. Oh, hi. And returning special guest, Miss Naomi Kyle, is back on the show. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so glad that you could come back. Um, it was crazy because we were thinking about when you were last here was October of last year. Yeah. Just before you left IGN. And now you're in Los Angeles. You've launched your own show. I can't wait to talk to you more about that. It's going to be great. How is everything? How are you? I'm doing awesome. I just got back from a crazy workout and uh, <laughs> rushed over here in traffic. Um, but yeah, everything's super awesome. And I'm going to you... Germany uh, tomorrow night. I'm flying out. Oh, so exciting. Are you going yeah. to Gamescom? Yep. Going to Gamescom. Going to be hosting uh, for Blizzard. They're doing like a live stream. They do it every year. Um, so I'm partaking on uh, for that. I'm going to be a part of that. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much that's what I'm awesome, doing there. Dude. And I have two days like beforehand to explore, but we'll talk more about that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Steimer has told me there is a church that is not to be missed. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. My friend, <laughs> too, who's... stare at it and be like... Yeah, what? just like uh, <laughs> drooling over. <laughs> totally. Well, that sounds like a really fun time. Um, we'll make sure to uh, retweet when you get those links up so everybody can watch. Of course, if you guys want to follow Naomi on Twitter, it's at Naomi Kyle, correct? Yep. yep. Uh, just like it sounds. Exactly. And uh, we're going to give get more into the details on her new show and everything that she's been up to later on. Uh, but we want to get into a little bit of housekeeping. First, a giant thank you to everybody who stopped by our first live stream last week, presented, of course, by PayPal. We had such a fun time with all of you in the chat, and a big thank you again to all of our mods who showed up and were making sure that the chat was clean and people weren't being jerks. We could not do it without you. So thank you so much again for that. It was awesome. And we have a lot of PAX news. So we're going to talk about it this week and we're going to talk about it next week. So make sure that you guys don't miss out on any of the cool stuff that we're doing at PAX. So Brittany, you want to tell the kids about our awesome panel? Oh my goodness. So our PAX panel is Sunday at 10 a.m. in the theater that I can't remember off the top of my head. Hydra. Hydra. The Hydra, Hydra theater. theater. And the rumor is, ladies and gentlemen, that we can actually stream this panel. We'll see. None of our panels have ever seen the light of day in terms of VOD. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see if this is the one that makes the cut. Uh, It'll be a great panel. I have been told that I need to find my old fan fiction that I wrote when I was a wee lass member. This was part of our Patreon anniversary stream. And I have a fan fiction out there about uh, Dragon Ball Z and Final Fantasy IX crossover. So that'll be read in some capacity. We're going to talk about the games that we played at PAX. It's going to be like a little mini live episode while special guests. It'll be a really great time. Promise. Wait, we will? It is 10, yeah, 
10 a.m. Sunday morning, September 2nd. So and that's Pacific time. So if you guys want to watch, all of the panels in the Hydra Theater are on one of the PAX Twitch channels. We don't know the exact number because they have like PAX 2, PAX 3, etc. Uh, so once we get the exact stream, we will, of course, be putting that on all of our social channels. I am hosting a bunch of other panels at PAX, which is super exciting. I'm partnering uh, once again with Square Enix to host the Expanding the Life is Strange Universe panel Friday, August 31st at 12 p.m. Pacific time. All three of us will be there. So if you're going to be at PAX West, please come. It's going to be awesome. And we also are going to be, well, I'm going to be hosting the Just Cause 4 showcase on Saturday, September 1st at 11.30 a.m., also in the Hydra on the live stream. Then I'm going to be doing the Shadow of the Tomb Raider Uncovering the Hidden City of Paititia on Saturday, September 1st at 4.30 p.m. So in case you guys missed it, we put out a special mini-episode last Friday where I got to sit down with some members of the Eidos Montreal development team who's working on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, plus a video with some new gameplay on youtube.com slash whatsgoodgames. If you haven't checked it out, please do. I would appreciate it. And I'm also going to be appearing because I like to be real busy at PAX uh, in the kind of funny interwebsite video game tournament, which is Saturday, September 1st at 7 p.m., which will also be live streamed. Oh my God. What's going to happen at this panel? I have no idea. Greg has told me nothing. He's just as like, show up. You're going to play a game. It's going to be fun. I so think Simer and I should get some WGG cheerleader <laughs> outfits and just like go on like face yes. paint yes. purple, sit in that front yes, row. please. Throw down. That would be amazing. We could do some war paint. I'm down with um, yeah. that. I think I think we need to find some some purple pom poms or something. Dollar store, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I got us covered. Like, I'm pretty sure we can figure that out. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. And then the cherry on top of all of our awesome packs happenings. You guys have heard of us talking about a meetup, and it is going to be the meetup. To top all meetups that we've done so far. Oh no! Don't we, don't, blame, don't blow it up too much. <laughs> it's what true. I, mean? I can blow it up if I want to. It's the you, biggest. It's the biggest meetup we've ever done. It's happening Friday night, August thirty first, from six to nine p.m. at the Unicorn. And I have to tell you, we can't announce the exact details of who we're partnering with yet. But last year, for people who showed up. We had an amazing turnout. It was so fun. It was so big. In fact, the line was around the block that we said, you know what? Let's go bigger. So this time we decided to buy out the whole place, you guys. Oh, snap. Oh, my God. That's exciting. Seriously. I, like, I legit. It's going to be great. It's funny to people who probably don't know. I am find out information sometimes along <laughs> with all of you. Cyber, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I told you this. No. Well, now you know. Christy's like, That's "What are we doing?" Like, this is a, I just want to let people know that was a genuine reaction. That was <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me like hamming it up for like whatever. Like, no, I'm like, oh shit, that's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, so it was such a crazy turnout last year, um, but we the upstairs at Unicorn was still open to the public, and so um, with some help with some from some friends, so we're going to talk about next week. Um, we have been able to rent out all of Unicorn from 6 to 9 p.m. And that means we have capacity for 300 people. Woo. 
to come to wow. the show. It's going to be great. Um, so if you guys are going to be at PAX West, we're going to be launching an event on the What's Good Games Facebook page, facebook.com slash what's good games. Please RSVP. Please tell your friends. Bring your friends. We're going to have some special prizes uh, for the first, I think, 100 people in line. Uh, I don't have those details finalized yet, but they are coming soon. We hope to see you all there. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's going to be enough housekeeping for right now. Uh, we got some news to get into. Uh, we do have a couple of sponsors that I want to tell you about first. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Quip and Vincero. So first up is Quip. Now, we first talked to you guys about Quip a couple of weeks back. So in case you don't remember, let me take you on a trip down memory lane. <laughs> When most of you walk down the toothbrush aisle at the store, it doesn't really take long to realize there are lots of options out there, and many of them are gimmicks. But the truth is, you really just need something that guides the simple habits most of us get wrong when brushing our teeth, and Quip is here to help. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help keep your teeth clean. Brittany, where's the pillow? One of my favorite parts is the built-in <laughs> timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Particularly useful when tweeting and brushing at the same time. I like this. It reminds me when I'm uh, on my phone in the morning. Hey, you know what? Time to move uh, to move to the other side of your mouth. <laughs> and Quip's subscription plans are not just for convenience, but for your health. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Plus, if you're a traveler like us, Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers that use Quip every day. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, and if you go to getquip.com slash what's good right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with your Quip toothbrush. That's right, you guys. Your first refill pack is on us if you go to getquip.com slash what's good. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash what's good. Keep those teeth clean. Everybody needs to keep their teeth clean, you guys. Mm-hmm. This is time where you brushing your imaginary teeth. I am brushing teeth. my imaginary teeth. Your yeah, gesture looks, looks r- a lot better than mine did. <laughs> because it, it looks like I'm really brushing my cheek, but, you know, it's fine. Is that the trick? That's exactly the right motion, though. You, you, na- you nailed it. Um, all right, so let's get into the news now. Uh, we'll talk more about Vincero in the next segment. This first news story, you guys, broke just before we were getting ready to shoot the show today. I'm so glad it did, and I didn't have to wait for the official announcement, which is supposed to be on Thursday. <laughs> Diablo 3 is coming to Switch later this year. So we kind of thought that this was going to happen. We talked last week about how Blizzard put out this new video where they were hinting at Diablo announcements that was more to come. They're going to talk about it later. Well, oops, Forbes accidentally broke the embargo and posted their news story early. Forbes. So, um, yeah, I know, right? Nathan Grayson over at Kotaku writes, the day that was prophesized by a light switch is finally <laughs> upon us. Diablo 3 is coming to Nintendo Switch this year. The news was meant to be announced tomorrow, but it appeared today on Forbes in a post that's since been deleted. Diablo well, 3 Eternal Collection. Wait, what? 
I just said, "Welp!" <laughs> like, "Welp!" Whoops. Yep. It wasn't before Reddit got screen grabs of the whole article. Of course, uh, we'll include the original game, the Reaper of Souls expansion, the Rise of the Necromancer pack, and all updates the game has received thus far. You'll be able to get an armor set that makes you look like Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda. Because I guess Ganondorf would be mad about the devil muscling in on his crown prince of evil <laughs> turf. <laughs> wow, um, it was pretty funny. And also the addition will include the Triforce portrait frame, a chicken pet, and Echoes of the Mask cosmetic wings. Okay. Plus, the Switch version will let you play multiplayer in a number of different configurations, from four-player local co-op on the same machine to four-player co-op on separate Switches <laughs> without an internet connection, to fully online co-op, to having some players local and others connected over the internet using the new Nintendo online service that is expected to launch in September, of course. Plus, you can utilize the new cloud saving features as well it'll run you 59.99 and will be out sometime later this year and a fun side note they say this will be the first blizzard game on a nintendo platform in 15 years that's crazy wow all of tell me how excited you are (laughs) this is all good news such good news also nathan grayson i've been reading his articles for gosh i don't like five or six years he is so funny i love his writing shout out to you he's a nice kid yes uh, I think this is freaking awesome. I think it's hilarious that the light switch thing happened. Everyone's like, oh, we know what this means. And Blizzard was like, nah, that's not what this means. We promised. And I don't know why they behold, lied about it. Yeah, that was a little strange. But they did. They lied to our faces. But it's okay because now we have what we wanted. And that is Diablo on Switch. <laughs> also, like, it's okay that they lied to me. <laughs> it's okay as long as you give me the product in the end. It's okay. I can be a little patient. Um, I'm looking at the screenshot of Ganondorf. And if you would have told me years ago... That, like, Zelda and Diablo would have some sort of collaboration. I just think this is absolutely hilarious and amazing. I cannot wait to be Ganondorf. And I love how they said you're, you get a chicken pet. That's obviously a cuckoo, which is, you know, the, the chickens in Zelda attack your face and try to eat you after you swipe them too many times. I, I'm just all about this. I think this is freaking awesome. I'm going to buy it again. It'll be my third copy of Diablo 3, but that's fine. <laughs> totally okay. And you, we have a Dear WGG about this. We do from we do. Albi or Berto. I feel like I made this joke already. You did. It was a few episodes ago, sir, that we read your question. Albi says, or Berto, is having a Diablo port on the Switch enough of a reason to get excited over, or is getting to replay a six year old game nothing to write home about despite the portability of the Switch? As always, love supporting you, lovely ladies. Keep kicking butt. Well, anyone? Hey, I can hop. Um, I, I definitely think that it's a really cool thing that we're getting any games like on the switch. I want more games all the time. So I, I'm all for it. I don't think there's any, uh, anything bad about having an older game on a console that people play regularly and used to travel. And yeah, um, I'm, I, I think it's worth it if you're a Diablo fan and if you're a Blizzard fan and you can finally play a Blizzard game on a switch. Yeah. where i stand on that i'm like not super excited about this but i'm excited that blizzard and nintendo are like, doing are, things together. are doing things together i am yeah. excited for what that means for the future for this particular instance i'm like i can i'm i've i'm sort of done with diablo 3 at this point <laughs> um but like this is really freaking cool that mm-hmm. they are now buds and like can make cool shit together because yeah. i'm down for that yeah, yeah. i feel like Oh, sorry, Brittany. No, girl, you go, you're the guest. You got, you got <laughs> priority. Uh, I just feel like Blizzard's been so just doing their own thing for so long that 
it's that it's finally like you know how there's crossplay between you know all sorts of games now i think having blizzard kind of dip their toes into collaborating with other uh developers and big time like console makers uh it's a huge step and i think they're exploring different avenues which is unlike them you know they kind of always have stuck to their own thing so um we'll see where it goes i like i said like steimer said i think it's very uh it's um i don't know there's all sorts of ideas you can go to after that you know once once they start doing stuff with nintendo will they start doing other things with for other consoles and yeah yeah i'm concerned a little bit about how uh top-down game like Diablo is going to look on the little screen. Mm. I have faith that their port will look good when it's in docked mode connected to my television, but I'm kind of like, hmm, I wonder how it's going to look with all of the like item management and like kind of the smaller menus. Yeah. Um, because sometimes even on a, on a big TV screen, there's like a lot going on. And so like on that small screen, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And you, oh, sorry. Again? <laughs> sorry, no. <Brittany>. Priority, <laughs> baby girl. You go on with your bad stuff. Um, like, uh, and there's local co-op, right? That's what you said? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, even that element, you know, how, how's that going to work and how that, how's that going to look if we're talking mm-hmm. about, like, a tiny little screen that is this, this, this big, you know? I really see your point there. Oh, you're saying local co-op on the same machine if it's not if docked. You were, yeah, if you were trying to do that portably, yeah, yeah it I might don't... be a bit of a disaster visually because <laughs> so much happening on so this much happening screen. at once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine people like is crowded around their Switch with all their like mini Joy Cons and they're like, <laughs> right? all, like trying to yeah. play? Seems like yeah. it would be ideal. That's definitely a concern because I've played uh, several games that are local co-op when the switch is not docked and you can't see anything, it's gone to the point where I'm like, I can't even play this right now because I can't see anything. I think for me, I think we, I may have even talked about this last time we talked about Diablo, maybe not last podcast, but another couple podcasts ago. I, I feel like I've played enough of Diablo where I'm not super itching to get back into it right again. But that said, I am craving Diablo like gameplay and there's no other game out there like Diablo. There's a lot of, top-down dungeon crawlers that are similar, but no one nails it just like Blizzard nails Diablo. So knowing that I can take this the Switch, and Jason and I were going to go camping this weekend, but because the wildfires are so bad and it's so smoky, we had to cancel. But my first thought was, dang, when this actually comes out, we could sit around a campfire and freaking play Diablo in the middle of nowhere together. And I just think that is so, that sounds like so much fun. Or even on an airplane when we're traveling later this fall, yeah. you know? I, I think this is awesome. Um if this was, if it didn't have the offline uh, connectivity, I don't know if I would be super excited to replay it. But I think it's just the idea of playing it portable, which makes me really excited about it. I don't know; it's a little weird, but I am stoked. I'm gonna play the crap out of it. <laughs> we don't have a release date quite yet, but I imagine we'll learn more, if not get a release date at BlizzCon, which of course is happening the very first part of November. I believe is November first through the third. Second through the fourth? It's somewhere around around those dates. Um, But it would be a really cool thing if, you know, Blizzard came on stage at BlizzCon and was like, bam, Diablo 3 on Switch today. Yeah, BlizzCon. Yeah, didn't do any announcements about release date and just was like, go buy it. November 2nd to 3rd. Everyone at BlizzCon gets a free copy. No, they wouldn't do that. (laughs) 
sounds good. Who they knows? are Maybe Blizzard. They, would. they have a lot of money. They <laughs> so do. Maybe. And those swag bags at BlizzCon are usually pretty yeah. choice. Yeah. So That's true. All right. Next story has been causing quite a few waves over the last couple of days. Uh, and we've gotten some questions from you guys, both on Twitter, on YouTube, and a variety of sources on Facebook. And so we thought, why not just talk about it? Ninja popular streamer who you might recognize explains his choice not to stream with female gamers so this story originally broke on polygon was written by ben cachera and now has since been covered by several other um outlets out there so it started with him saying i don't play with female gamers he said he continued wait hold on let me just read part of what ben wrote here Though Blevins, Tyler Ninja Blevins is his full name, isn't shy about being married, with fame comes scrutiny of everything you say or do, he suggested, and that can sometimes lead to questions about who you're sleeping or flirting with on the sly. Quote, if I have one conversation with one female streamer where we're playing with one another, and even if there's a hint of flirting, that is going to be taken and going to be put on every single video and be clickbait forever, Blevins told Polygon. Not being connected to other women online, that was something I made 100% sure. He said it was his decision alone to keep his streaming partners men only. Quote, that was not even her, I believe, referring to his wife. She had nothing to do with it. That was me. I love our relationship. And no, I'm not even going to put you through that. A growing Twitch means a diminishing sense of privacy, especially for women on the platform. Female streamers have opened up before about the difficulty in maintaining a separation between their Twitch personas and who they are offline, often at the behest of viewers who demand answers, lest they assume what's going on for themselves. Clearly, this is not the first time we've heard about online personalities, celebrities, whoever, anybody that's in the spotlight, no matter how big the spotlight is, um, kind of rumors circulating about their life and who they're dating. And clearly this is perpetuated by tabloids and mainstream entertainment media always looking at like who's dating who, who's breaking up, who's getting married, who's getting divorced, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so this caused, as you can imagine, if you, and if you've been listening to any other shows and any of the blogs that have been out this week, quite a few stirs. Lots of people have lots of things to say about this topic. Um, Ninja responded after the story on Polygon came out and after clearly many people took to his channel and others to express their opinions on it. Um, His statement reads, I wanted to take a moment to address the discussion around the article that came out over the weekend. While I understand some people have implied my views mean I have something against playing with women, I want to make clear the issue I'm addressing is online harassment and my attempt to minimize it from our life. It is something that affects all streamers, especially ones that make their relationships public. I want to bring attention to this issue and my comments should not be characterized as anything beyond that. Having just celebrated my one-year anniversary, my wife and family will always be the most important thing to me and I'm doing my best to protect them. We are fans of all kinds of Streamers and gamers, Kirby Lama, Julia TV, um, Holly Eats Suto. I definitely screwed that name up. And a few of her favorites. Mm-hmm. And we encourage others to check out their channels. I look forward to the opportunity to meet and play with all kinds of Fortnite players in the future tournaments and events. So, <sighs> ladies, why would you even do a story about this in the first place? That was my exact That's question. Like, yeah, I was like, this didn't need to be. I feel the same way. A story. Like, I mean, maybe I, I, unless he was getting pressure from a lot of people saying, why don't you stream with female streamers? I mean, I don't follow Ninja, so I don't know if there are people who watch his every move that they're starting to notice a trend of where he doesn't stream with female gamers. So maybe he felt the need to put out a statement. I'm not sure. 
why well, yeah it's very it's possible if, that he was he, doing an interview with polygon yeah and he didn't realize what he was going to be saying was going to be the highlight of the story but a lot of times when you're doing these feature pieces and these personality profiles when you do like a long form interview like an hour or two hour long interview you don't really know what the story is going to be until you're done and you're going through transcribing everything and going huh maybe I'll make this the focus of the piece and clearly it worked out for for Polygon I mean they're getting tons of clicks on this everybody's looking at it yeah I I had I had a different gut reaction and then I sort of read like so my gut reaction was of course like that seems unreasonable but then I'm like I actually went through and I I read some tweets from other people um so Dodger in particular who was a streamer she married another streamer named Sam I forget what his Twitch name is but he's also a very popular streamer and she was talking about like when they got together I'm I'm literally looking at her tweets right now cuz I don't want to misquote what she mm-hmm. said um She's like, some of my viewers harassed not only him, but his mothers and sisters. I remember sobbing on a plane because I felt so terrible for the way he and his loved ones were being treated. Someone hired a PI to find evidence that he was cheating. Someone else found a porn star lookalike and sent me videos of them. He received countless emails about what a scumbag he was and how he shouldn't be with me. Like, so I think it's really easy for us who get, I mean, we get, we get harassment on the internet, but we don't get ninja level of harassment. And to have that big of a spotlight on you is something that very few people can relate to. So I think it's like, I could sit here and give my opinion, but I am not living that life. I'm not living that situation. And I don't really think it's necessarily fair for me to judge in that, in that respect. Um, Would it be great if he would, would like try and see how it goes? Like, yeah, it would be really nice for him to use his platform to help elevate female streamers. But at the same time, you you have to understand your audience. And if he thinks his audience is that level of toxicity where it's going to be a big negative for both the person who he's streaming with and his family, like then I guess I, then it's then it's understandable. Right. Mm. So I'm definitely on the, your page, Christine. Like I definitely see that just all angles. I wasn't even going to talk about Dodger because, um, I mean, she's a, a good example of someone who's, who's experienced that and she's not even, you know, as big as Ninja. So you can only imagine the kind of crazy stuff he'd, he and his wife would have to deal with. Um, yeah, my, my reaction is similar to yours in that I saw that and I was like, you know, they should just leave him alone and it is his choice to protect his wife and his relationship. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts around it. I can definitely elaborate, but I think that's, you said it all perfectly, Christine. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's kind of a tough nut to crack because there's no doubt that a celebrity of his size has a responsibility, right? And I know that there's been other celebrities that have come out to say, I mean, the one that comes to mind is thinking about when Miley uh, when Miley Cyrus kind of came under fire during her really crazy days when she was singing about doing Molly and all these other things and parents were being like, my kids loved you from, you know, when you were Hannah Montana, mm-hmm. how, how, how can you do this? You were a role model. And she's like, I didn't ask to be anybody's role model. And it's like, well, no, you didn't, but you are, you know, and it, it's, this, it's a weird position to put somebody in where you kind of are forced into the spotlight in a sense where you enjoy the benefits of, a wild 
these successful um, entertainment properties, but also don't want to take that responsibility. It's it's tough, you know. Like, and and he kind of rose to this level of fame like really quickly. I mean, he's clearly been in the streaming scene for quite some time, but. He really did this crazy 180 when he started working on Fortnite and just kind of took off like a rocket. If you look at where he was in 2016 to where he is today, it's like it's bananas, his growth, right? And I think that with his marriage being so new, I understand his desire to keep it safe and and protect it and, and make sure nothing happens. And maybe he's not as firmly secure in in that relationship as maybe some streamers or some celebrities who are in longer term relationships and who would maybe be more comfortable kind of putting themselves out there in that in that way that being said like the whole characterization around it has really shown a light on the really disgusting side of mob mentality when something like this is made a story and that's something that we talked about on Games Daily earlier this week. And I think that's the takeaway here. It's not whether his decision was right or wrong. Clearly, everybody's allowed to have their own opinions about it, whether they agree with him or whether they don't. I think where we can agree, though, is that he shouldn't be attacked for his decision because it's his decision to make. It's his channel. It's his content. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to run his show that way, that's his prerogative. I just always get so disheartened when I see somebody who is doing a lot of good for the gaming community, somebody like Ninja, who actually represents gamers very well. Like in television interviews, he makes makes it seem like we're not all bad. And I really appreciate (laughs) that about Ninja. And he raises millions of dollars for charity. He is a great example for a lot of other streamers and a lot of other YouTube personalities out there. I mean... Don't go after him. Don't go after his wife. Don't be that person. If follow the 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 lifelong motto of if you don't have something nice to say, if only it was that easy at all. Yeah, it's definitely not that easy. Obviously, we say not nice things sometimes too. But yeah, I think like the major bummer part um, about this whole thing is that I imagine, and what I think a lot of people took away from it was more the story of like, oh, men and women can't be friends platonically. But that's, I don't, that wasn't like his atten- his intention. And I think he clarifies that or tries to. And like the follow up, like, no, no. <laughs> but I do think his community, which is very young and very impressionable, it would make a lot of sense that that would be the takeaway that they would get from it. Is like, oh, well, if I'm ever doing something with a girl, that must mean that I have something happening with her. Um yeah, so Brittany feels like she's about to jump in. Go on, baby oh, girl. No, what no, you no. I'm, say? No, I'm just smiling because I agree with everything oh. you've said has just been so, so spot on. And I think the way that his statement was worded, it almost seems like it's more about the relationship being insecure. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the message at all that he's saying. I think what it is, is that, like you were saying, Simon, the level of harassment that he could get for just streaming with a fellow uh, female streamer. I mean, I can't understand it because I've never had that much of a spotlight. I can only imagine. I mean, we are so lucky to have the community that we have where we we can talk about the gender pay gap in content creation and only get a handful of nasty messages, you know, and that's it. But, you know, when you're so popular and you have so much of an audience, of course, you're going to attract the bad eggs and the people who just want to troll for the sake of it. And to not even be able to stream with a female streamer like that is just so sad and like andrea was saying just how toxic and the mob mentality it's so bad out there that you can't even do that and i think like i said the message isn't so much that 
he's insecure in the relationship. I think it's just this internet can be a really dark, shitty place. Yeah, and, and unfortunate yeah. for Ninja, that's like his platform. Everything he does is on the internet. And people I saw tweeting about, you know, actors and saying, well, it's like if, you know, Tom Cruise was like, I'm not, you know, acting with females in any roles, you know, it's not the same thing. It's not apples to apples. Like there, there's a difference between what Ninja experiences on a day to day basis, which is literally everything online and always streaming and having that feedback in comments and stuff like that. Whereas actors don't even have to, they don't even have to have a Twitter account and be successful and be in the spotlight and be considered a celebrity. So it's just this first time that we've kind of experienced what, uh, what it would be like, well, you know, this situation with somebody who's just very popular online. And um, yeah, it's just unfortunate because I, I don't think it's the same thing if you're saying, well, an actor, you know, their job is to be in a role with, in a movie that's just going to be available in theaters that, you know, people can talk about and be like, well, Tom Cruise put this in his, I don't know what, what they call them. Those like lists where he's like, I don't want this and I don't want oh, that the writer or in their con the writer or in his contract or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's just not the same thing at all. And, and, um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting topic for, if, if anything positive can be taken away from this is that it's, you know, finally brought it up as a, something to talk about, you know, how do people deal with being, um, somebody who's in the spotlight on the online and, um, you know, the level of harassment that's been taking place because of his decision not to stream with women, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it could be seen as, as a bad thing and a, a good thing too. And as his choice and like, you know, which is just a really good conversation topic. I think if anything. Indeed. I'm going to, um, fix this blind thing because it's blinding my face. <laughs> I know, I was going to um, say, say something. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize coming ahead. in here that um, all everything I have is natural light, so I'm going to just take a second and fix that, and I'll be you right back. You do that while I set up the next story, okay, which is all about QuakeCon. So we missed the giant um, kind of press, mini press conference that Bethesda did uh, because of when we shot the show last week. So if you guys missed any of the recap, we're just going to go over some of this stuff uh, very briefly just to kind of recap because they did have quite a bit of new information that came out of QuakeCon, of course, Bethesda's annual convention held in Dallas, Texas. I was sad to not have been able to go this year, but I was very glad to be sleeping in my own bed for a weekend yeah. <laughs> but it looked like it was a lot of fun uh they debuted a brand new 15 minute doom eternal gameplay trailer which was epic it was so crazy um some of the big takeaways from that gameplay trailer if you guys didn't catch it first off please go watch it it is really really well done um, but they announced that there's going to be an online component where you can invade other people's campaigns as a demon, which is kind of a fun idea, and you can do it with your friends. They, of course, said if this is not the experience that you want from your Doom game, you can turn it off if you don't like it. Um, but that is a, a cool thing that they're adding. They also have said that they want to really flesh out the lore of the Doom universe. And so that's not just, you know, the Slayer going after the demons, that they really want to kind of 
make this world a little bit more ro- robust so it feels like it has you know some some backbone and some some more robust lore elements to it which i thought was interesting and also probably indicative that they're going to expand this franchise in the future um did either of you three get a chance to catch the doom trailer oh yeah no, i missed it <laughs> oh yeah my mom was over and I, I was like, it was the debut and I was watching it live. And I said, mom, I'm like, come over, look at this game. I'm really, really excited about. And she's such a champ. She just kind of sat there and was like, oh, oh, wow, honey, this is really cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. You, how do you as you're ripping demons faces you, off? Yeah, she's like, how do you enjoy things like this? And I was like, it's awesome. I I would probably be what you consider a casual Doom player. The, the only Doom game I've ever played was the last one that just came out. But I've said this before. No other game has made me feel like such a badass other than when I'm playing Doom. Sure, I'm playing on baby ass baby mode. It's fine. But with that music like <laughs> pumping in your ear in your headset, you're just like, yeah. The music really makes it. Yeah. Oh, I man. And that. and that new, uh, it's like a grappling hook, right? That you can actually mm-hmm. per- yeah, oh, just I am so excited, and I'm excited that they, it sounds like they're fleshing out the lore a bit. You know, maybe there'll be some more quiet scenes where you actually get to learn about the game. Don't get me wrong; I don't mind sawing things in half and punching brains out and stuff, but it would be cool to learn a little bit more about the game. A quiet moment in Doom. We'll Does that even exist? I don't know. Happen. Probably not. Um, But they also gave us another meaty gameplay trailer for Rage 2. Of course, this is the partnership between id Software and Avalanche Studios. A funny moment on stage when uh, Tim and Magnus were standing next to each other. I I had the pleasure of interviewing them on the Facebook Gaming Live studio stage at E3. They're so lovely. And they just lean in to the joke that Tim is this tiny man and Magnus is this giant man. So much so that they brought a little step stool on stage for, <laughs> for Tim uh, when they were doing the presentation. Um, the game looks great. I had a lot of fun playing at E3. I'm definitely excited for this game to come out next year. So they showed off a little bit more of the car combat. They showed some more of the vehicles from the different factions. They showed convoys, which are going to be a gameplay mechanic. They also showed some new biomes because in the first Rage... It was pretty much all like brown desert wasteland. And now they've got uh, a kind of a rebirth happening where there's uh, different biomes, including jungles and forests in addition to the to the sandy wasteland. So it'll be interesting to see how that all comes together because they are touting avalanches work on the open world as being seamless. No loading screens. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of exciting. I'm I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. But I didn't get a chance to uh, see the new demo up close and personal. I just watched the gameplay trailer, which I'm sure some of you did. Um, am I the only one that's super pumped for Rage? Steimer, you have a secret love for Rage, yeah? No? I mean, I like what they've been <laughs> showing. I didn't play the original, but I did that interview with you, and I've seen the new stuff, and I'm like, I like shooting things, and I like powers, so like this seems <laughs> like a thing I'm going to like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me, I was watching the gameplay trailer, and I don't know if... I think this is the kind of game that, if I were a betting woman, I'd probably get, like, maybe six hours in, and either I'm going to be all about it, or I'm going to be bored and walk away. Because typically, post-apocalyptic games and shooting just doesn't grab me. I can't remember the last post-apocalyptic game that got me. Um, But I'm definitely interested to try it out. It sounds like the game has an interesting culture with what's it called, like the Goon Squad, the Bandits, and, you know, the different biomes. Looks like it's not all so deserty and brown and dirty. Dirt. 
hyphen y dirt e um i think <laughs> the vehicle combat actually looks fun too but kind of got some very like very light twisted metal vibes to it and i've been craving a twisted metal game for so long that i don't know i'm gonna definitely give it a shot because i know you're excited about it, andrea and simer is obviously gonna play it so you know anything anything for her and i to bond over i'm all about but i just don't know i'm 50 50 right now if it's if it's actually gonna hold my interest but we will see I think my only thing that I'm not excited about is the cars because I just hate driving in video games. So you can drive the car, girl, and I'll Perfect. just sit in the back and shoot shit. Perfect. This has <laughs> no multiplayer, does it? I don't think it does. I thought I, I, thought I had co-op. Does it not? Am I making that up? I don't know. I would think be smart there's a multiplayer it. component, but I, I would have to look up exactly what that is. Uh, I'm not sure. It, it is a single player. It is a single player game, but... Well, You're gonna have to get used to driving, Christine. That, it's funny like that. Getting, driving in games. I think I just maybe I just made that up. No, because it does kind of look like the game that would have multiplayer, right? It I looks don't, like it would have co-op. Co-op. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Well, uh, someone, oh, uh, Simon, do me a favor and, and Google that. But um, let me just run down some of the other stuff that they talked about. They talked about new expansion details for Elder Scrolls Online. Arcane confirmed that Dishonored is taking a break. They're kind of putting it on the back burner for a while to focus on some other projects, mm-hmm. hopefully pray to. Um, and that new there's a new Bethesda studio that was announced called Bethesda Dallas. It is formerly Escalation Games. They worked with Bethesda on the development of Skyrim VR, Fallout VR, and Skyrim for Switch. And, of course, they're working on the Elder Scrolls Blades, Fallout 76, and the upcoming Starfield. So they announced that brand new studio. Plus, Quake Champions, another id property, announced that they are going 100% free-to-play for all and forever. So they've done some free-to-play events in the past, and now anybody can get in and play Quake Champions for free. And if you want to get a unique character pack, they announced the $29.99 Quake Champions pack that unlocks access to all the champions now and in the future, which is the hook there. Um, it was on sale on Steam last week, but I believe by the time the show airs, that sale sale will be over. So hopefully you got wah, it. Wah. If not, wah, wah. And then the big story from this week, because the news from from QuakeConus has been been kind of trickling out over the last couple of days, and this has been being kicked around. Pete Hines, speaking to Andrew Reiner over at Game Informer, hinted that the Elder Scrolls Legends might not release on platforms that don't allow (laughs) crossplay. He told him, uh, this is Hines, it is our intention to... It is our intention, in order for the game to come out, it has to be those things on any system. We cannot have a game that works one way across everywhere else except on this one thing. The way the game works right now on Apple, Google, Steam, and Bethesda.net, it doesn't matter where you buy your stuff. If you play it on another platform, that stuff is there. It doesn't matter what platform you play on. You play against everyone else who's playing at that moment. There's no, oh, it's easier to control. It has a better frame rate on this system. It's a strategy card game. It doesn't matter. And uh, when Andrew asked him if that meant that there's a chance it won't come out on PlayStation 4, um, Heinz added, We continue to talk to all of our platform partners, but those items are essentially non-negotiable. We can't be talking about one version of Legends where you take your progress with you and another version where you stay within that ecosystem or it's walled off from everyone else. That is counter to what the game has been about. So it was interesting, if you read the entire article over at Game Informer, how... 
Pete has very he's a carefully danced around Pure magic. Man. Yeah, yeah dance around uh, naming PlayStation 4. Um, but it's obvious that that's who he's talking about. But I think they probably got into a little bit of trouble um, from previous things that Todd Howard had said in, I believe it was at a conference in Europe, talking about cross-play with Fallout. So I think they're kind of treading carefully right now because the idea that a publisher as large as Bethesda would not publish on a platform as large as PlayStation 4 is kind of wild, right? Yeah. I feel like they can take that risk with this game, though, because it's not like it's a huge thing, and it's not like all games going forward need cross-play or cross-progression, right? So it's interesting. It's it's almost like they're putting their foot down, and they're like, well, you got to play by our rules now. And like I said, with a game like this, like it's probably going to be fine. But if this was like Fallout 76 and they're like crossplay is a thing or you whatever, then like that's a huge holy shit moment. But with this, I think it's a nice little like, hey, guys, hey, this is a thing and we're not going to let you live. We're going to yeah, start making this a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a good case study for like moving forward. Although, like you said, Brittany, it's not necessarily a strong enough one to make anyone change their mind. I don't think PlayStation is going to be crying that they don't have. Oh this game on their <laughs> yeah, platform right. um so I, I do think if anybody wants to change it's gonna need to be a bit bigger of a bit on that table but Which also Miami, how do you feel about crossplay? yeah also to circle back and correct myself i completely made that up right <laughs> <laughs> does not have go up <laughs> or at least it has not been like has not been talked about because Dang. the only quote that we currently have is from uh, Magnus saying, right now we are focusing on just the single player because the game is so damn big. We are focusing on making the best single player story that we can. Uh, and then they want to extend the life of our games to engage our players, provide updates and things to them. But uh, that's like the only thing that they have discussed in terms of mm. longevity of the title. So okay. in my mind, it has co-op, but in real life... It does, it does not. Does not. <laughs> um, Naomi, I was asking you, um, since we haven't really talked to you since this crossplay issue issue has kind of come to a head in the last couple of months, you know, obviously with Fortnite at the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. Um, is crossplay important to you as a gamer? Is that something that you are like hankering for on the regular? Honestly, I haven't used it that much. And I am still in that habit of, you know, if it's a game that's come out on the PS4 and it's not on other consoles, then fine, I'll just play it on the PS4. You know, um, I... And with four, and actually, I've been gravitating more towards PC games. So um, yeah, I just, I, it's not something that for me is, uh, you know, if it has it, it's cool, but it's not uh, a deal breaker. Like I'm not gonna not play a game if it doesn't have it. Um, that's kind of my stance on that. But I, I do think it's important, and I think that you know, Bethesda's kind of baby step towards like nudging PlayStation or Sony to be like, yeah, maybe you guys should consider doing more of this. Um, might be, might be, I don't know. A strategy play on their part, but we'll see how uh, how Sony responds. And if it ch- if it changes, then it changes. And I think more developers are seeing the the trend, like Fortnite. You know, where it's a really popular thing, and people like it, and people want it more with the games that they love. Um, then yeah, I think it's a positive thing to have. For me personally, not a big deal. Do you think that there is a game that could force Sony into changing their policy? Well, um, I I don't think there's a specific game. I think, like we were talking about Bethesda, 
if they, you know, start nudging, uh, you know, if they do come out and like Fallout 76, well, we're not going to put it on your platform, Sony, sorry. Like, I don't think that'll happen, but if there, if there's like a company that has the balls to do it, um, then maybe they'll change their mind, but I don't, uh, it would have to be something big, like Brittany said, you know, it'd have to be something substantial for Sony to be like, wait, we really need to consider this now because we are almost like we're in a bind, you know, they we need to not have it- this game be more of a like a business decision like a more have a business reason to do the thing versus it's it doesn't feel good for our players like i don't sorry sony i don't think you care about that like you need you need a financial number reason and yes in order to make that decision and right now they don't don't have it yeah money money does talk (laughs) yeah maybe red dead redemption 3 is online mode grand theft auto 6 is they're gonna be like yo dog our, our game does so well on your platform, but we're going to say no. Unless you Ooh, implement yeah. I mean, that won't happen, but it might. It would probably take something huge. I will say I think Bethesda is the one company I see even willing to ever do this. I don't think the other companies really care. Um, mm. I think they're kind of more in line with Sony and that like they are much more of like numbers people and does it sell? Fine. We don't, you know, that's no skin off our back. We don't really mind. Do what you got to do. Uh, so yeah. I don't know that it will change anytime soon. But it's if anyone is going to fight that fight, it would be Bethesda. Like they're those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, kind of hearing different perspectives. Um, because I I always just go back to the money. I don't think anybody wants to lose the money of over eighty million PlayStation fours worldwide. So. I think it's fine for Pete to say what he did and for him to kind of lob threats at PlayStation about not releasing their game on their platform if they're not going to allow crossplay. But I don't think any other publisher would ever do that because the business is so valuable for them and it's such a large piece of the overall um, gross profits that they make from publishing games that they would never even consider not publishing on PlayStation for a major AAA. I think Rockstar is in the same camp as Bethesda, though. I agree with you there that they could, they have the power, the independent wealth the to be power. like, we don't yeah. need to. But I, Yeah, I, Rockstar and, and even Blizzard, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of of the mindset, though, that people who have money like to make more money. Rich yeah. people want to just keep getting richer. Funny so how companies, that companies. That's how corporation works. They're like, we yeah. have that sweet, they, sweet taste. They I mean, as, yeah. as much as we'd like to pretend that a, a big publisher, Rockstar or whatever, is going to stand up and be, we're going to do this for the good of the gamers. We're not going to. No. It's like, nah. These nah, are bruh. These are companies. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it'll be maybe a trend. I think like I th- not a trend, sorry, but I think it'll be something that companies continue to do or, you know, as more games accept crossplay or more developers accept crossplay across their uh consoles i think you know maybe we'll see that you know they're just like yeah if everyone's doing it we'll just do it but i agree that money talks i think that that'll be the big the big uh, the big thing you know corporations they need that that money because that's how they're valued unfortunately that's how they make <laughs> the exactly. game only way they're valued yeah 
Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see if Bethesda makes good on these threats about not bringing Elder Scrolls Legends to PS4. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that we brought up Rockstar because if you guys caught last week's show, you saw that we did a special report about the Red Dead Redemption 2 gameplay trailer that was released. And after we did so... Um, Someone over at Rockstar decided to write in and respond to some of the questions that we had, which I thought was really kind of them. So their PR team um, came back to me and said, hey, uh, saw the show, loved it. Saw you guys had some questions. I have some answers for you, and I was That's like, so exciting. Oh, "Okay, I'm sorry. This I just is- gotta take a hot minute." So I'm gonna, it is. I love what we do, and I know we're professionals in the industry, but I can't help but freaking fangirl out when someone from Rockstar is like, "Hey, I liked your show." And it's like, really? You really liked it? You I, watched the whole thing? Watched- oh my god! Um, going back yeah. to being a professional. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to do my best to kind of paraphrase um, some of these answers. Um, One of the things that um, they brought up was that um, Steimer was talking about your horse and what happens if you accidentally kill your horse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they said, don't worry, because of the way that we're developing this living open world, if for some reason you're out in the wild and you accidentally kill your horse (laughs) you would be able to flag down another npc to help give you a lift back into town or you can try to convince that npc to sell you their horse so that you can take theirs or i assume you kill probably rob them and or kill them and take hijack their horse yeah Mm. that's definitely gonna be a thing for sure um, and um, they also said, well, we were talking about the camps because that was a big focus in the gameplay trailer that they released, this idea of like setting up camp and taking care of camp and managing it, that you're not going to have to look after, uh, you're not, you don't have to hunt to look after the cat. After the camp, um, that's a uh, designed to be kind of um, extra content. It's not designed to be punitive. So obviously there are going to be people who really love to just hunt spend time hunting in the game but it's not going to be something that you're going to be required to do x amount of times in order to keep your camp in some kind of standing ah. um also um they had mentioned that when you do bring uh resources to the camp like food for example it can lead to fun interactions with people that are in your camp or if you're out taking down uh bounties or interacting with the world you know making that that skrilla there are benefits to sharing Sharing is caring when it comes to being in a gang in Red Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> apparently. And um, they he, they did mention, though, that the members of your gang will, of course, provide for themselves. They are not invalids. And that they might have opinions if you do or do not contribute. Oh. I guess we're oh. going to have to. Um, See, that's awesome. Now I'm excited so and so for will it. will remember that. Yeah, so and so will remember <laughs> that. Like, I think at the, the s- comparison I made with State of Decay 2, where it's, I feel like everyone's like, we need food, we need materials. And it's like, dude, I'm killing a horde of zombies. They're so needy. Yeah, they're so needy. But if, I, if it's an optional thing I can do and there's an incentive to do said optional thing, then I'm all about it. That sounds awesome. I'm going to bring them so many hunks of bear meat or a meat, as Stemmer calls it. Here is a meat. Here is a meat. <laughs> Yay. Um, 
they also mentioned that um, one of the ways that they're changing the interactions with NPCs in the world is that previously in Red Dead, in order to interact with somebody, of course, you had to like point your gun at them. Uh, you don't have to do that in Red Dead Redemption 2. You don't have to just threaten somebody in order to have a, an interaction with them. You're going to be able to just talk to them. Um, so you can either escalate or diffuse situations based on who you're talking to, what you're trying to get out of them. If you want to be nice, you can. If you want to shoot them in the face, I'm sure you can do that, too. This is a rock star game, so they do have a proclivity for her violent tendencies. <laughs> but did they just... tell me if I can knife a bear? Um, You know, let me look through the notes here. <laughs> oh, did they you send, and... like, a, like, an essay? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. They, and they also sent me a document um, that has quite a bit of facts on it. It's the uh, the fact sheet. Mm. So um, it's all about the story here, new level of interaction, a first full new generation experience. Because I guess if you guys didn't remember, um, the last one was last gen. That's mm-hmm. how old it was. Yeah. Which Long is kind of crazy ago. to think about. Um, Do they touch uh, on <laughs> knife angle bear aside? I think the most important thing actually people would want to know if they ever really confirmed how you being nice or mean affects Facts. your yeah. relationships and or the story. Hmm. Yes, they did. So um, they'd said that players can initiate or be engaged in conversation with people in the world. And these interactions, of course, will vary. Uh, but that different situations will present Arthur with different options. And that these options, um, it's up to you to decide how Arthur handles each situation. Um, conversations take place in the world, not in static menus or in dialogue trees. And this new layer of interaction applies to other aspects, including praising or scolding a dog, calming your <gasps> horse, and much more. How, why, how dare you scold a dog? Who are you? What if it's a bad dog? No, all dogs uh, are, are no good bad boys. dogs. They're all good I boys. I mean, good I love my dog, girls. but he's very mischievous and he tries to do things he knows he's not allowed to do. So sometimes I have to tell him no, but then I give him right. belly rubs later. You can tell so them no. <laughs> That's setting boundaries. Yeah, Scolding is different. But they do say that Arthur's honor will change based on the choices that you make and varying levels of honor will have different consequences and opportunities. Oh, cool. okay. So, so there's it does. Yeah, there is a mirror. Hey, That's hey. good. Oh, my God. Good I want know. this game so bad. Please. I know. <gasps> yeah, so they, there's there's quite a bit here. And there's also um, some threads on Reddit, which uh, they pointed me to, that have a lot more of these deep dives from some of the early interviews they did when they first announced the game. And they talked about some of these things. Um, it's really kind of fascinating just how expansive this is. I was not anticipating just um, how deep this open world, this living open world goes. I mean, because a lot of times you hear that almost thrown around as like a buzzword, mm-hmm. right? That uh, seamless open world, living open world, living, dynamic open world. Breathing right? open world. Yeah. yeah. But it really sounds like they're so doing creepy. their best to make sure that it feels like your experience in Red Dead instead of just playing through, you know, Marston's eyes. You get to kind of decide who Arthur is going to be as <gasps> as a gangster. That's pretty cool. Nice. I'm into that. Me too. Yeah. It'll be good. So anyway, I just wanted to touch up on that and thank you so much to Rockstar for uh, reaching out to us and for watching the show. We, of course, um, are very appreciative of the fun little gifts that they sent us. They sent us each a little um, Red Dead Redemption 2 tin cup and a t-shirt, which I will post a, a photo on, on on Instagram if you guys want to check that out. And of course, the game comes out. 
in just a few months. Oh, I can't so exciting. So many good games. Be awesome. Gonna be great. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for the news, you guys. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. So stick with us. It'll be in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody. It's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. And this section of the show, hands-on, where we talk about what we've been playing, this week is brought to you by the lovely folks at Vincero. So I learned from some fa- from some friends that it could be pronounced Vincero or Vincero. So I guess you get to pick which one you like. I kind of like the traditional Italian. Yeah, it's yeah. just a little bit more robust to say with it a is. weird Italian accent. Um, but over <laughs> at Vincero, their mission is to create compelling luxury timepieces with impeccable craftsmanship to inspire as many people as possible to elevate their game. They learned that luxury is a process. It's not about specs. It's not about price. And it's not about marketing turn to be thrown around. It's about attention to detail. They were tired of cookie cutter designs and mass produced minimalist watches that have flooded the market. We've all seen them online. The, so they created a step-by-step process to craft every product. It's what separates Vincero from the competition, the belief that you deserve the best. Ventura literally means I will win, which is why I love it so much. And it's also why every one of their designs are rooted in the values of bold, daring, and pioneering. They keep things classy, but never are afraid to challenge convention, like us here at What's Good Games. Yeah. Now, I've been wearing my Ventura watch pretty much everywhere. I'm not wearing it right now because I was cleaning earlier and I didn't want to get my nice leather band uh, full of cleaning chemicals. But if you've been thinking about getting a new timepiece for yourself or maybe as a gift for a friend or a loved one i've got great news you guys they're having a fourth anniversary blowout sale it's happening right now as i speak don't pull over be safe but maybe you want to uh, check them out when you get done listening to the show because this sale is not going to last long. It's site-wide, so that means you can take a look at the men's watches, the men's bracelets, extra bands, ladies' watches, you name it. It's been a crazy four years for Ventura, and they thought simply saying thank you wasn't enough. So if you want to take advantage of the blowout sale, head to VenturaWatches.com slash WGG sale, or click the link in the description below or in the podcast notes, and you can check out the massive anniversary blowout sale that they are happening they are having right now again that's vincerowatches.com slash wgg sale v-i-n-c-e-r-o watches.com slash wgg sale ladies have you been enjoying your your watches i saw you wearing them at rtx they looked so sleek i have and i'm not usually a watch person but they just look so good and i'm like yeah and they're so comfortable I I enjoy it. I, I feel I feel classy AF when I'm wearing it. Like yeah, look at look, look. dude, super know. stylish. Yeah, Steimer just showed hers to the camera. I've been showing mm-hmm. mine to the camera because I haven't worn a watch since I was about in the fifth grade. And same since they, like, time. they very nicely gifted us these. I'm like, this really pulls your outfit together in like a really strange. way. I was like, oh, is this how you accessorize? Like. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been, I've worn mine every day since because I just feel like I feel more put together when I have it on. See, they're elevating your life. I love that watches are a thing that's are still around. I know a lot of people are like, why do I need a watch? I have my phone. I go, because you know what? 
I feel like it's super rude to check the time on your phone when you're having conversations with people or if you're in a meeting or if you're on an airplane or wherever. And like having a really nice watch is something that is a classic accessory. And they have so many great styles that match so many different outfits. I actually decided to try one of their um, uh, other colored leather bands. So I originally got the gray leather band and then I was like oh why don't I try the black one just to see how easy it is to swap in and out and it's easier to swap bands on my Ventura watch than any other watch I've ever owned so if you guys at all are contemplating or maybe you're having trouble deciding between bands they do have uh, lots of band options to choose from so do check out that anniversary sale because it is a short amount of time that that sale is happening but thank you to them for sponsoring the show it allows everybody out there to watch and listen to WGG for free and we hope to always bring you the show for free each and every week. Now, it's time to talk about video games. And yeah. the biggest game on everybody's lips this week, World of Warcraft. It's crazy yes. how this game has had legs for so many years. And Naomi, you were talking about getting back into PC gaming, and yeah. you've jumped back in. Yeah, I uh, actually, yeah, I haven't been back to World of Warcraft for a while. So when this, you know expansion came out I was like yeah I want to get in on this and it just is, I think a lot of people are um seeing the hype and are going back to playing World of Warcraft after like many years of not playing um but I actually did play Legion for a little bit too when that came out uh that was like a couple of years ago but um man it's uh it's amazing I I love what World of Warcraft does with just being able to create new worlds every time new towns new places to explore and then I don't know, I was just like playing with Kyle and we were going on raids the other day and it's just like such a fun experience. I always I always regret leaving World of Warcraft when I go back to it. I'm like, why do I ever stop playing this game? Um, <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun to go back to it. And and it's interesting content too. It's really good. Uh, so it feels yeah. like this is something that is really pulling a lot of people in that haven't yeah. maybe played in a while. But I mean, World of Warcraft has a bad rap for being pretty addictive right did yeah. you ever fall into like a world of warcraft hole me no yeah no i i pretty much i knew wow was a thing and i knew people would play like a ridiculous amount of hours like years of their life just not gone you know used up by wow uh in a positive way um so i never like went really deep into playing that game until legion came out a couple of years back and that's when i was like oh i get it now like i really understand why people just want to spend time in this world. And, um, you know, I, I was lucky that I had Kyle, who's like a complete just wow maniac since he was, I don't know how old. And uh, he was like able to introduce me to it. And I learned pretty quickly. Like it's it's uh, it's definitely a complex game to play. And there's a lot of learning to do and learning curve. There's a huge learning curve. But um, for me, it was just like, I don't know, like I just love the lore and I love the the little towns you get to visit and uh, all the different characters that you, you know, get familiar with throughout the storylines and um, yeah, just everything about it. It's really fun. But I've never, I've never spent too many hours. Like I'm pretty, I'm an adult now where I'm able to like manage my time when I game, you know, I'm like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play three hours and I stick to it usually. Five hours later. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying so hard to fight the urge to get back into WoW. So I played WoW I played it on and off for the past, oh gosh, I don't know, eight to ten years-ish? Maybe a little longer than that? Um, when, I first, when I first got introduced to it, of course I fell immediately in love with it. My aunt played, all my cousins played, and so it was always fun to group up and like go do little dungeons. I never did the raids with them or anything like that. But 
I then when I met Jason, I introduced him to World of Warcraft, and then we went on maybe like a seven month binge where that was basically all we wanted to do. But then what happens? I burned myself out on it, and what what ultimately I lost interest in was. I thought it was a little too easy and I didn't like how the skill trees weren't super personalized. I felt like there were a lot of characters that had the same skills I did. And for some reason that was a turnoff and I felt like the quests were too fetchy. Now this was years ago, so maybe it's improved since then, but I have to keep reminding myself that because hearing you talk about it and see everyone else talk about it. Um, I can say what I've been playing. I've been playing Dragon Quest 11. I can't talk about it in detail, but like it's like, okay, Dragon Quest Eleven, and wow, those games are not a good combination because they're both just like, Arr! so... Giant? Uh, they're giant. Both giant <laughs> games, and there's so many games coming down the pike that I'm just trying to stay away, but it is hard. Mm, it, yeah. What's funny to me is that I literally just got a text message from Jessica Chobot, our friend, <laughs> saying, girl, are you playing WoW at all? I'm back in. And I was thinking about grinding, from, uh, grinding to 20 and then taking the level jump. So just like, like everyone's talking about this. Yeah. yeah. And I went through a much shorter binge period than you did, Britt. I, but it was an unhealthy level of binge. It was about, I want to say, two to three months. Um, and I was with Greg at the time so he can vouch for this. Because without him, I'm pretty sure I would have died. Um, <laughs> I was not eating. Wow. Unless like, he had to put food in front of me to get me to eat. I wasn't really showering. I probably smelled real bad. Um, I was basically like cutting anything from my life that I deemed unnecessary. I was going to work, barely sleeping, like, and just kind of doing that sort of wow. level of, of attachment. But thankfully, like you, Brittany, whenever I do that, I, I burn out very quickly. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So it wasn't unhealthy forever. It was, but it was definitely a few months of like, oh, this is bad. This is not that's crazy a healthy way Sander. to live. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy I, story. Are you I, are you hesitant because of that of going back into it, or do you think you can go back? No, in and I'd be, be like, fine okay. now. Um, it's yeah. just uh, the reason I'm hesitant to go back in now is just mostly when I was playing. It's more for those games. I need to have a good group to play with so the fact that show texting me about it i'm like okay well maybe like if if i can like have yeah, we and yeah and like you're playing i'm like okay so maybe yeah, if we, we have like, all a fun little group that yeah. would be fun oh. um it's always about the people Brit. for me with, with that <laughs> you're making this so hard to stay away because playing <laughs> wow is some of my fondest memories i love going to the auction house and selling all yeah. my herbs that i collected and getting money <laughs> and then you know teaming up with my aunt and just like wandering around like we would call each other on the phone and just put each other on speakerphone and run through these towns like, and kill yeah yeah you really like, what do, do we do yeah you out. really do get lost in that world and it is a great escape um mm-hmm. sometimes you know with any game with any form of something like this it can be to a fault of course but oh man so is this is this where i confess that i've never played wow that's, that's okay fine. yeah <laughs> i i didn't play i like i i didn't play until legion came out like that was my first foray into really trying to learn the game and get into it so not that it's not that bad you can probably get into it now and be fine <laughs> i, I it's a really good I, state right now that's what i keep hearing so yeah to make well, you want to play it I, even I more hear, for it. <laughs> i would love to hear more about what's happening with battle for azeroth like is there um like what are some of the new the new elements that you're really having fun with uh I mean, the thing that they that I've no that I didn't even notice really. This is you know all from Kyle because he's like such a he just knows the game in, in, inside and out, and I'm just not on that level. I play like you know first person games and like uh, single story mm-hmm. player games, so 
Um, I think for me, the thing that he pointed out and which I noticed was like really different from when I played Legion was um, the uh, now when you're questing or when you go to an area, you get all your quests right from the get go. So now it's just about going out and getting those and you can kind of plan out how you're going to go about it. Whereas before it was you had to go and find the quests and it was like a far away place outside the village and you'd have to go and find all these different to like kick those off and then once you're in uh in that chain then it's a little bit easier but yeah i think before getting into this um and it was one of the things i I noticed right away it was like god we have so many quests to do right now but it's because you get them all at the start um so like you enter an area and it's just like here are all of your quests well you kind of they're just all the quests are a little clumped together more than oh, they just used like to the be. quest givers are all are the, much exactly. more consolidated okay yes. okay yeah so it's a bit it's like uh it's just more dense of you know you're 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 given us uh an area to explore and you get your quest pretty early on have you know after having gone there and uh and it, whereas it used to be more spread out and so that's one of the right. things that Kyle pointed out. And I was like, yeah, it's way different than how we've been playing. <laughs> because would you, would you say that not the raids, not the dungeons, is the content still relatively easy? Are the, are the quests still pretty, like, kill 10 tigers and stuff like that? Uh, no, the they, see, they, they seem more, uh, like, uh, higher stakes and, and harder. Like, uh, there was a time there where Kyle had left me. I don't know. He was off uh, mining some stuff because his character does that. And I was uh, left with these bad guys and I just had accidentally triggered them. And you so I had like too this. Many? Yeah, I just pulled too many in one, at once and I was on the verge of dying. Um, okay. So it was it made it interesting because he, you know, kind of came in last minute and saved me. And it was it was really fun to go through that, even though I was like panicking. Um, so what, what I character think, are you playing as? I Did you say? Uh, no, I'm a paladin. I'm a paladin. Oh, okay. So I'm just playing uh what are they called? Rep paladins or pre or what's the term? I forget. Uh, <laughs> Again, not a, a, a wow expert by any means, but um, but I'm a pally. Yeah. Cool. I also yeah. played a paladin for a while. I yeah. was going like the tanky paladin, but I forget what they called it. Mm-hmm. Sam, were you uh, and I played wow together back in the day for a little bit, didn't we? Way back did in we? the day. Did we? Yeah, protection. Yeah, I thought we did. Maybe we did. Again, my that. my life in that time was very yeah. Because we would send we would send letters mail to each other. Because I remember oh, your name. Oh. Yeah, that was a good time. That was <laughs> that was like ten years ago. Jeez Louise, it was a it was a while ago. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we gotta we gotta stop talking about wow because I'm really getting rich. <laughs> okay, well we have to kind of keep moving along here because we don't have uh, a ton of time this week to get to all of the stuff that we want to talk about, um, and I know that there's a couple of other games to get to. But um, glad to hear you're having fun in World of Warcraft. I'm sure um, we can um, get some kind of an update maybe from you, maybe from Steimer if she ends up getting in. And um, speaking of Steimer, are you still our uh, knee deep in Nino Cooney too? I have to tell you guys, I am really freaking enjoying this game. It's given me all the good feels. Brittany, thank you so much for like, I mean, you recommended it before. I kind of forgot about it for a while. I then saw it on my shelf and was like, wait a minute. Why don't I play this? And I'm so glad that I did because it's just like, scratching that itch it is very much like you said chicken soup for the soul once you get past the first hour of tragedy uh and there's just something about it. like i would really rather be playing that right now than like <laughs> doing talking most with other us. things than talking with you i love all of you very much 
Um, no offense. The only thing that I like, so I'm now about like a little over 10 hours in, which I'm probably going to keep my playthrough to about 30, 35 hours. Hmm. Um, cause I don't, I have no desire to sit here for like 12 years, but, uh, the only thing that I'm like, mm, I could take or leave this is the, they have like war battles or like battles oh. on the, the maps when you are in your chibi form. And you have like little, little chibi army battle things. And like, I, for me, I'm just like, this feels a little bit disconnected from what I would want or expect from this game. I don't quite still understand this. Am I doing well? Am I not? I mean, I'm successfully getting through them, but God knows (laughs) how I'm doing it. Uh, And so like, that's the only part of the game so far that just feels really uh, disconnected from the rest of it and just doesn't feel as good. But I don't even mind. I was like messing around with the building and I'm like, oh, what I like about the building is that they've kept it very streamlined because the problem with me in building is I can fall into that rabbit hole where, oh, where do I want to place this building? Like, is it the perfect spot for it? And what is it? What? Oh, you know, how does it look next to these other buildings? No, no, there's none of that. They are all predefined slots. You have no choice. They go where they go. And then you can like upgrade to your leisure and recruit people and all that kind of stuff. But they've taken away the parts that for me were the biggest time sink in like managing a, a building style, like build your kingdom kind of thing. Um, so I actually have been messing with that more than I thought that I would be. Yay. Oh, that's so hot. And what's cool about the kingdom building is that it's almost purely optional is you don't have to, you don't be crazy like me where I would leave my game on, let my coffers fill up, come back and like collect all my coffers and continue to let it fill up. Cause Oh wait, does that happen when it's in rest mode? No. Damn. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. You have to keep the game going. And oh. then, so your coffers gradually fill up with time. Then you get them and then it starts filling up again. Then you use that to upgrade your kingdom. Yay. That makes me so happy, Simer, that you enjoy it. The, the battles you were talking about, the on-field battles, there are a few that are required and it is kind of a weird element. So what she's talking about is that you have like, these little squads with you and then you have to go and take over parts of the map i guess it's like a strategy game like uh, you would know more about but it's it not even really it's like a very simplified strategy random ass like element thrown into this game and you have to go through and conquer you know certain areas it, it, it's kind of strange and you recruit yes. people and they can be employed into your army and ah. and they the problem for me is like they all have levels so you do, I think like if like you're saying, Brittany, you run into them at a, a gated mission where like you cannot progress further unless yeah. you do this, you have to level those figures up. Like you've got to like, what? Like, no, I don't want to do yeah. these battles. They don't, I think the problem for me with them is they don't feel good. Like tactically wise, um, I am running into battles and like killing the enemy troops, but I don't feel any any i don't feel any of that there's no weight to it i suppose is what i'm saying yeah i mean especially since you've played a lot of strategy games in your day it's a very very simplified light version of that and so yeah i get it yeah yeah anyway yeah i'm enjoying it i will probably i'm gonna finish this game i've decided to like because i really i like the characters i like the world um so that's what i'm i'm bunkering down on for now Hand, yeah. hand up. I, I know we don't have a lot of time, but Jess also just messaged me about WoW <laughs> to see if I want to hop into uh, the game with her to level Amazing. up. But yeah, yeah. So we're definitely probably going to play some WoW. Aww. All right. 
What about you? What are you playing, Britt? We've been wanting to get her on the show. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can coordinate it sooner oh, than yeah. later. Um, everyone's so busy these days. Um, but um, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about something that I've been playing. I know Brittany mentioned that she's playing uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. She oh. can't talk about the game yet because, as you guys know, the game's not out for a couple of weeks yet. But soon... She will be able to uh, to chat about it, but not today. Oh. Sorry, Britt. Not oh, well. today. <laughs> um, but I've been playing We Happy Few. So oh. this is a game that was released in early access a while ago and just had its full launch last week and is made by Compulsion Games and is published by Gearbox. So Compulsion Games is one of the studios that got acquired by Microsoft and was announced on stage at E3 as now being part of the Microsoft, uh, under the Microsoft umbrella as a, as a first-party game. And um, when I saw this game at E3 Judges Week, I was really impressed by it. Obviously, we've heard about this game and seen snips of this game for the last couple of years since it's been in development. But now that it's out, it seems that it's pretty divisive, which is kind of crazy because so far I've been having a pretty good time with it. But I can see where people maybe would not like it so much. So uh, for people who aren't familiar with uh, We Happy Few, let me just read from the Wikipedia page for a quick um, kind of overview. It's a first-person perspective. The game combines role-playing, survival, and light roguelike elements taking place within the mid-1960s following an alternate version of World War II. Players take control of one of three characters, each of whom seek to complete a personal task while escaping the fictional city of Wellington Wells, a crumbling dystopia on the verge of societal collapse due to the overuse of the hallucinogenic drug that keeps inhabitants blissfully unaware about the truth of their world while leaving them easily manipulated and lacking morals. Of course, that drug is joy. Um, It's a pill that you take to make you happy and forget things so you start out playing yeah right well it sounds great until you realize all the bad things that can happen when you're both on joy and both off of joy and then you're like joy is probably not that great actually no no no. (laughs) um so it's really kind of interesting the way that they're bringing the world building and the storytelling together in this game. You start off playing as Arthur Hastings. I haven't yet progressed beyond his storyline, and that probably is because I'm doing a lot of exploring. So there are a lot of open world elements to this game, places that you can go and check out, abandoned houses, and there's loot for days, which is terrible because I'm opening every refrigerator, every trash can, every locker, everything that I see. I'm trying to loot, but um, it does have a lot of Bioshock vibes, but I wouldn't say it's anywhere near the experience that Bioshock is. And I want to make that distinction because I don't want people mismanaging their expectations, going in thinking that they're going to kind of scratch that Bioshock itch because I don't think you're going to get what you're looking for out of this game, particularly out of the combat. So now that I've had about five to six hours with the game, um, I can say that the combat definitely leaves a lot to be desired. So far, I haven't had any uh, shooting weapons. It's all been melee-based, where I'm basically just like poking people with things or <laughs> smacking them with things. You can do a non-lethal playthrough if you want, but I, uh, they're, they're out for blood. So if they're trying to kill me, I'm not trying to just put them to sleep. I, like, they're going to die. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. The long um, sleep. 
But um, it's interesting. So you start as a redactor, which is a role in this new dystopian government where you preview news stories and then you decide if it can go forward unaltered or if you have to alter it. And one day, one of the news stories that you read kind of like jars your memory loose because the joy you're taking takes your memory away. And you remember uh, your brother, Percival. And you're like, wait, what happened to my brother? And so you, Arthur kind of goes on this quest to to find his brother because of the, these hints that have happened and that you find throughout the world about what went down between Germany and Britain. And spoilers, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing I feel like would be the major plot hole. You'd be like, oh, I'm coming down off joy. Oh, I have a brother? I wonder what happened to him. Guess what? Probably nothing good. And that's why you're on drugs. Like makes sense right mm-hmm. but the but the thing is that i haven't gotten to the point where i found out what happens um spoiler with, alert, it's not gonna be good yeah well i have to imagine <laughs> so I'm, I'm holding out hope that there's gonna be some kind of like uh, happy ending for somebody in this oh game. no he did he super did oh no oh. i hope not oh come um, on if he's not dead like come on well, well, well it's, uh, we we'll have, have to wait few, and see. So maybe there are um, a few happy people <laughs> and a few happy endings. In this. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know. Um, what I think is really fascinating about this game, though, is that it uses procedural generation to create the layouts of some part of the game world at the start of each of your playthrough. So really, your playthrough is going to be unique to you because of these roguelike elements, which is something that I didn't really understand when I first played this game. I, I didn't realize that that procedural generation was built in. And because of that, it definitely makes it a little bit difficult to figure out what you're doing because walkthroughs can't give you, you know, like, oh, you go here and you do this and you do this because maybe that's not the order of the steps that you do it in your playthrough. Obviously, the end result is the same, but it does kind of throw a wrench in there for people who are looking for something that's not roguelike. I did like, though, at the beginning of the game when they ask you to set your difficulty, you can either choose, you know, like easy, normal, or hard. I chose normal, despite every bone in my body being like, pick easy. Um, (laughs) I chose normal to see how how the experience would be because some of you guys out there have given me a little bit of a hard time. I know you've done it in good fun about always picking easy. So I was like, all right, I'll pick normal this time. But you can do custom sliders which is nice. So you can customize the difficulty um, on resources because resource management and the survival skills are a pain in the butt. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So it's like uh, uh, the criticisms that I've seen is that people don't really know what this game wants to be and if it does any element particularly well. I would say the thing that they do the best is storytelling, particularly in cutscenes. The VO work is really well done. I think the characterizations of these people, both the ones that are on Joy, the ones that aren't, and kind of how they interact with each other is really well done. The, the narrative work is really fascinating. It really kind of has the hook in me of like, I want to know where the story is going and, and like what happened in this world. And they've really kind of made it a mystery in a great way that incentivizes me to keep playing and to keep discovering and to keep searching for extra pieces of lore throughout the world. However, 
the mechanics in the game and how they all come together still feel a little bit jumbled and it's kind of hard to figure out like where my priorities are supposed to be. There's a lot of collectibles as far as items that you can hold in your inventory. And of course, I kind of shook my fist at encumbrance, which is a big part of this game because I hate encumbrance in games. I just want to hold all of the things. Mm-hmm. Let me hold my wooden bowls and my spoons uh, in Skyrim. Exactly. Just the, give me the a metal bag of bits holding. and the bandages. It'll all be fine. Um, so they do give you a pneumatic stash, which is kind of like a persistent um, vault where you can dump things into. And then you, whenever you find it, it, there's no limit to what can be in your stash. And you can just continue to dump stuff in there, which is kind of nice to have a little hoard. But learning how all of the items work together has kind of been a process. So there's recipes that you pick up in the world for certain items, but I learned how to craft these items. And then I find the recipe like an hour later and the game's like, you found the recipe for bandages. And I was like, yeah, but I've been making bandages this whole time. What are you talking about? (laughs) But now you know how to make them for real. Yes. So it kind of feels like some of those procedurally generated steps aren't kind of linking up together in the, in the right way. And, um, the, the, difficulty ramp for some of the stealth sections has really been frustrating so last night i played this one stealth section where i'm in a military camp where there's guards everywhere and if any of them see you you'll set them off and you can't blend in with them uh, like you can with some of the other sections stealth sections of the game and i had to play it so slow because if you die it like kicks you out and like there is a permadeath option in the difficulty settings that you can turn on if you want to and i was like no thank you Uh, (laughs) no but it just it's really tedious and i i just got to the point uh where i'm now in one of the villages where i have to take joy and blend in with all of the people who are on joy and it's frustrating because the joy meter is is difficult to indicate just how long you have. It does ha- kind of have like a little bit of a countdown, but you don't know where you can pick up joy. You have to find these little joy mood booths that are technically telephone booths that you go into and then like dispenses a pill. You take the pill and then you're back out into the world. But if you let your joy drop below a certain level, they instantly recognize you as a downer and they 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 attack you they like run after you with frying pans and rolling pins and i'm like like on my way to the booth to get the joy and i haven't figured out if i can hold joy in my inventory so i can just like tap a button to re-up my joy pills um and it's tough because you can overdose on joy really easily and then the game penalizes you for overdosing so it's this really small window between being at the perfect balance of having enough joy in your system you can actually do a little bit of exploration in these zones without having to worry about where the next joy supply is before you either overdose or you go or you're in withdrawal and if you overdose too many times, it like permanently um, damages your memory. And then if you're underdosing, like you're in withdrawal and you have all these other health effects. It's like real drugs. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> stressful. Here's how to manage a real it's drug It's like a real addiction. life drug. It's a, there's a life lesson here for those so, who don't do drugs, kids. I'm interested in this game for the story. And it sounds like you are enjoying that as well. But it sounds like there are some yeah. tedious mechanics in this game that don't maybe feel necessary <laughs> to be yeah. a part of the experience is that kind of what you're thinking 
Yeah, and I, I don't want to go on too long about this, but I, I think my biggest takeaway so far with my early hours of We Happy Few is that the world building is is done really well, and I'm enjoying it, and it's enough of a hook to keep me playing. The exploration is nice. I like the art style, even though on my PS4 Pro, it chugs a little bit more than I would like textures pop in and out sometimes uh sometimes the npcs kind of like skate across the screen in a very weird way oh. <laughs> and i'm like oh no why is it doing that yeah. so i think that those are some kinks that they can work out but i think the real problem that this game suffers from is that they had so many ideas and they didn't have somebody on their team to like edit them in a meaningful way to be like guys this Let's all sounds focus. cool yeah. But we can't be yeah. an open world adventure, exploration, roguelike, narrative based game and like do all of those things well, right? That they need to kind of uh, also don't forget survival and stealth elements. Let me uh. throw those into the fucking pot too. Um, so I, I think that that's really what's happening here and why this game took so long to come out is that they kept iterating and iterating and iterating, but at no point. It doesn't seem like somebody on their team said, hey, maybe we should stop adding features and start polishing what we have. Maybe instead and of iterating, you should edit. Yeah. Edit. That's probably what needed to happen here. But <laughs> um, um, so far, sorry, I accidentally hit the wrong button there. Uh, so far, it's been fun and I'm interested to learn more and, and see how these how these storylines play out. Cool. All it right. sounds like the story is the main thing and they should have focused on that. Yeah. Because like that that's that's what I think the world and everything that they brought. And maybe maybe they should have made it more Bioshocky. You know? Mm-hmm. But uh a lot. Yeah, it would have been it out. Yeah, I mean I, I'm definitely if you guys are I don't know why my oh my gosh, my stream deck is freaking out. Sorry everybody. No <laughs> on the OBS broadcast. Um I don't know um Oh no, oh, we lost Christine. Wait, We lost you. What? I, um. We, uh, oh no, everything's <laughs> popping in and out of texture. What's happening? What's going on? How did Your that camera close? is gone. Like okay. no, Skype just closed, but I can still hear you. But I don't know how it closed. Huh? Weird. And yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on. That's super strange. That's super strange. This is weird indeed. Okay, well, I'm back. Oh, there, there she's you are. back, ladies and gentlemen. She's so back. bizarre. I have no idea what just happened. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and use this opportune time to uh, take a short break before we come back to our final segment of the show. Um, if you guys have any questions about the games, of course, feel free to reach out to us. Um, and we are going to take a short break and we will be right back. Everybody, we have sorted out our technical difficulties, um, and I believe Britt has a, a fun little gift that she's going to put up on our social channel so you can see exactly what went wrong. <laughs> uh, in case you missed it, don't forget um, twitter.com slash what's good underscore games, facebook.com slash what's good games. So we are here to talk about our dear friend, Miss Naomi Kyle, who has a brand new show. I do. Congrats, by the way, on launching your show. I know it's been a couple of weeks now, but yes. um, how's uh, how's joining the podcast community been like for you? Uh, it's been great, uh, and thank you so much for saying such nice things. I, I uh, you know, 
I don't know. I think what I've always wanted to do after leaving IGN was like still have a foot into gaming and still talking about it in some way and still having content going out there. Cause I mean, I was on a show every day for like six and a half years. So like there are people out there, at least I think so that want to still see me talk about games and do stuff around the gaming industry. So I uh, was like, let's just do a podcast and keep it pretty low key. It's, it's only uh, twice a month. We have one episode uh, go up a, a certain week of the month. Usually it's like the second week and then the last week of the month. Um, it's called Everybody Games and it's uh, super casual. You know, we talk about current stuff, but sometimes we just go into different tangents about, you know, politics sometimes, but we try to avoid it. Sometimes it happens especially in this climate. And uh, we touch on, on the games that, you know, our guest loves. We, we always like want to have a guest there who, you know, we think either knows a lot about games or knows very little or, you know, is kind of in between or as someone who has a very interesting career that has nothing to do with games, but somehow they're like super just hardcore WoW players or something and to talk to them about that. Um, so we've had some great guests. We've had Jared Petty on. Um, I'm trying to think who else. We're uh, having Ash Crossan come on tonight uh so she's going to be recording with us right after this this is a set by the way this is like uh you can kind of see it i think oh, yeah. In the shot. Um, yeah we could definitely see it yeah there's like some benches and it's three people it's myself kyle we're like the main hosts and then we have a random guest who we awkwardly position in the middle of both of us uh, <laughs> to chat about games and uh it's been super fun and we're on episode six we're recording that tonight uh so it's been good it's been uh, a great way to keep me busy you know, um, one of the hard things to do after leaving a big corporation and a nine to five job is like, okay, now what? Like I literally have all the time in the world and I could decide to do nothing or I can, you know, schedule some stuff out and be productive. So this was like a good way to like make sure I still did something. So yeah, that's basically been the reason for the podcast and kind of, you got a little insight on what it is too. But yeah, it's been That's really awesome. Fun. So I'm going to put the question to you uh, that we get all the time, which yes. is, um, you know, like what kind of challenges have you faced in starting a podcast? Cause obviously you have a heavy video background, much like I did. And mm -hmm. have you had any kind of challenges that you didn't anticipate or any stories about things that you've had to overcome in the production process, um, in making the, in making the show? Uh, yeah, there's always production stuff that could go wrong, like the day of, um, but that's technical stuff. And usually, and I'm lucky to say this, Kyle is the one who deals with that. <laughs> so I don't really have to be super worried about, you know, OBS has, you know, a history of sometimes not working, uh, for whatever reason, or it has like little yep. bugs that you just have to kind of know about. And, you know, you can't anticipate when they're going to start bugging out, but, um, you know, sometimes that'll be something you run into, but that's just technical stuff. I think the, the overarching uh, thing for me was uh, just getting the podcast done and like setting a, a deadline to make it happen. So if you're like, I'm going to start a podcast, you know, you can always say, I'm just going to do it tomorrow or I'm going to do it some other time. But it's like setting a deadline really changes the game. And if you like, you know, are stick to it, then it eventually does happen. Um, and, you know, then you're kind of, you're in that, that mindset of like, I'm going to do a podcast every two weeks or however many times you want. Um, so I think doing it and then there's uh, the challenge, of course, of making a set. And this is, you know, in one of my bedrooms in my apartment. So uh, the challenge was figuring out 
how to use the space intelligently. So there was a lot of pre-planning, um, how much it was going to cost, like how much budget-wise could I spend on all of this. So setting a budget is super important. And, um, you know, what, what materials to get. Like I had to figure out what size of table I needed and finding it. Like how, where do I even start? Do I mean, if Ikea by chance has the perfect size, I'm going to go to Ikea. But you have to do that research beforehand. And um it all kind of came together once I just buckled down. I knew I had a set price of like the things I wanted to buy, uh, a set price on how much I wanted to spend. And um, I just started buying and it was a little nerve wracking at first because you're like, oh, there goes my money. Bye. <laughs> okay, hope this works. Um, and uh, but yeah, so and then like putting up these soundproofing things like I, I anticipated a certain number of them and then I had to order more. Uh, like halfway it's never through setting enough. it. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. were like, we're doing this this yeah. week. Like we need to get this fast. Thankful, thankfully for, you know, Amazon prime and mm -hmm. it's amazing. Uh, shipping well, two day shipping stuff, uh, that saved the day. But yeah, I think those were kind of the main things. And then making sure, um, we have guests, you know, like how many people are willing to drive to my place in Los Angeles? Like how many people even have a car? Yay, Christine. Okay. I, am here well, I mean, definitely. You guys are all super invited. <laughs> uh, we can actually fit two guests. We have another bench that we could use and another mic. So we could technically have two of you guys on at a time or maybe we'll figure out something where we can get all three of you. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, so, uh, cause we'll we do have Kyle a small out. space. We'll be like, Hey Kyle, you're cool and all, but we're kicking you out for this episode. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we just do that and just have the four of us. Um, I'm sure Kyle won't mind. He'll, he, he likes the technical <laughs> stuff actually, um, a lot. So maybe, maybe he'll make the exception. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I think that those were some of the challenges and yeah, like making sure guests are, are available. And like, sometimes people are like, no man, I can't do it for like another three weeks. And then you're like, okay, shit, we need to like record an episode this week. Who do we get? Um, and most people so far crossing fingers and knock on wood that it, they've all been super, um, down to drive, you know, in Los Angeles traffic to get here. And, um, and just super down to be part of it. And every time we've had a guest, every guest has been super, uh, you know, present and excited to be there and like, you know, wanting to talk about whatever the subject matter is and whatever their new project is um, and, and to talk about games. So it's been a super great experience and I just hope it continues that way. Yeah. There you go. That's Those are some awesome. of the challenges, <laughs> generally speaking. There's always something. But just yeah, be no, prepared I mean, for it, that. It, sometimes it feels like it's never ending too. Yeah, so we we, we just experience one. Feel you. So you know, you yeah. know the struggle. I'm still experiencing it. Britt, her <laughs> colors are still dancing around on my computer. It's Maybe really you, you had too much joy, Stammer. I, uh -huh. Oh my god, no! Legitimately, that's kind of what it it feels like. It looks like you just I'm tripping out, but only for you. <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel like I need to see this. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I see it now. Yeah, that's that's wild. Not good. Um, also amazing. Uh, also amazing. <laughs> also um, amazing. <laughs> so, what's it been like since you uh, since you've left the Bay? You know, you mentioned that you're in Los Angeles now, and uh, you know we've talked about the amazing creator scene and the uh, the people who are streaming and doing YouTube and all other kinds of um, content creation in LA. Have you found that you're kind of meeting some of these people or yes. are you still kind of, you know, uh, finding your way around the city? 
I mean, I'm always figuring out new ways to avoid traffic, which pretty much is impossible. <laughs> it's um, not impossible. It's weekends, but in the morning. Uh, Nobody in LA gets up. Okay. All right. I will make sure to note that. But yeah, I think uh, for it's definitely been a big change because San Francisco, you know, some people are out there, but a lot of people are working nine to five and it's just a different environment. But Los Angeles is filled with people who, I don't know if, if their thing is Instagram or if their have thing is flexible whatever work schedules as you and have say. flexible. Yeah, exactly. People who literally just live off their YouTube content and whatever mm. money they make off that. And content creators are, are just a plenty here. And it is a content creators, uh, industry right now like it is it's the thing to be doing and it's very lucrative so luckily there's a lot of people who you know have the means to come out here have the schedule like the time available and so it's super been helpful for the podcast um you know had i been doing it out of the bay definitely would have been a challenge uh just because we have to have a different guest every week or that's the way we've like structured it um so i think yeah it's just been super helpful having people be able to come out to you know where i live and be willing to do that and uh yeah i i definitely noticed a difference like coming out here everyone's like oh you're in the la now let's you know let's do some content and it's uh i've been nonstop. i started working with oh my god firefox who was a fan of for a long time and she's out here oh, yeah sonya's great yeah sonya's amazing oh yeah i still call her oh my god firefox yeah. but um <laughs> yeah just like so many content creators i got to be on the felicia day um fundraising s- stream for uh for that whole day and i was uh able to meet even more people that you know like jovenshire and just so many people who live out oh, here and are joven like, is my homie from way back in yeah. our Mahalo days so so it's like that sort of environment and being so close to and and then san diego comic-con too was like just a drive away so um you know definitely took advantage of that and met all sorts of content creators there and you know businesses come out here it's like the hub for content creation so they come out here and um they'll reach out if they know that this is where i live now and it's just been crazy meeting all the different people and um working with them because you never know what could happen you know there's always a reason to make content some sort of content be for anything oh naomi the kind of content i want to make with you is poutine so we yes. need to get back we on need that. to do it legit for real this yes. time because uh, we did the kind of uh, you we know the budget poor poutine. poutine yeah the poor man's poutine but we should you know yeah we should definitely have a poutine evening and wine and dine and eat some great delicious french fries um, gravy and cheese oh, can, I, can i come yes i want to come yeah you guys, yeah we should just make the whole everybody games podcast we're all oh, eating making wow. like, we'll just yeah <laughs> i will fly it'll, it'll just be one big poutine taste test yes yes <laughs> we did that sweet. too kind of we had like two different kinds of or a few different kinds of gravy we did yeah because i had purchased a ridiculous amount of different gravies for that <laughs> but yeah oh, that sounds so good i've never had good poutine ever ever oh man ever uh if there's a smokes poutine out where you are that's nope. the best place oh okay well, yeah, Los Angeles has one, I think. Uh, no, it what? fucking closed. So, what? like, <laughs> so one night I was with a friend and she was like, I really want poutine. And I was like, oh, I don't think that they really have that here. And she was like, no, there's this one place like that. Um, Terry from IGN told me about. And I was like, cool, let's try it. And we looked it up and it had closed down. And we were like, no, oh, no, oh, I think man. Smokes. And oh, I think maybe they're going to reopen. According to their website, they have a location in Hollywood. No, that one's it. it Dunzo permanently closed. What bummer! 
That's that, weird. Why? They might huh. still have it in the Bay. I know they have one in uh, Burbank. Nope. There's nope, one in the LA Berkeley. as a Baker. Uh, what am I thinking? Bakersfield. What? What's the other B letter region Berkeley in San Francisco? Berkeley. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking on their website right now, and I'm like, I don't know no. if I'm going to drive to Berkeley for poutine. <laughs> I don't know, but like April 23rd of this year, there's an article in the LA Eater that's like, smokes poutine, just randomly closed. Oh, <laughs> like, man. And you're like, what? 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 Maybe we could do a trip to Vancouver or something. Like, <gasps> get on the Vancouver set of some nice. show being shot there, and we could just be like, yeah, this is a, we're working here, but really, we're just there for poutine. <laughs> Business right <laughs> off. Yeah, there we go. I'm totally all about. I'm totally all about this plan. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, I wanted to ask just one question since I have you here. Yes. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit before um, oh, yeah. the we started recording tonight, and a lot of people out there are talking about this as this story develops. And since we have two former IGN employees here, I wanted to get your hot take um, on the issue. So Gregory Horton wrote into Dear WGG and writes, Hi, ladies. What are your thoughts on the plagiarism incident at IGN involving one of their now-fired reviewers? If I'm not mistaken, Steimer used to be editor-in-chief of an IGN newsletter that included game scores, so I'm very interested in hearing her thoughts on this topic. P.S. One of the only thoughts I have left on that IGN newsletter I used to read way back in 2010 or 2011 is, quote, this is something special, and I can see how everyone credited on this newsletter is going to go very far in gaming in the gaming industry end quote i'm so proud of how far steimer greg miller and many others have gone in this industry today since i first discovered them in that newsletter it is a shame that philip may never know such success now that after what he has allegedly done i hope that everyone at ign sees steimer as a role model for how good things can happen for those who do it the right way that's yeah. right plagiarize anything <laughs> do it's a real low bar to set man but yeah now what Um, did you want to oh uh well i i never met what's his name philip philip Philip. (laughs) i should probably know this um but yeah i think for me the it was definitely gut-wrenching when i first read that because i was like how can someone do that so blatantly, I was listening, you know, I, I was watching all the videos or there was like a compare the comparison For video that went up, which basically started video, this whole thing. Yeah. I was watching that and it was, I was like, I can't even, I can't even continue to listen to this. It's so blatantly being copied off this other YouTuber. And um, yeah, so I, I was like, God, like I, I, I don't even like thinking about it. The fact that that happened. Um, and I... I don't know. I feel like it is crazy to me that it happened and he got fired and there's still more coming out. And he put out a video and not even not even owning up to it by any means. And In fact, uh, challenging people to challenging. Find more. Yes. Challenging people to go out there and find more plagiarism. I, and, and then finding, and then they found it. And then and so how how um, what is his thought process? Like, what is he? thinking is he is there something is he i don't know psycho like is there a term for for what this is because he clearly yeah delusional would be the the go-to one for me for sure because i i can't wrap my brain around just not knowing what to do in this situation you've been caught plagiarizing something and you probably know or maybe you're just lying to yourself that you've done this many times before and you probably don't want to have to suffer more fallout for what has already happened because you know people will inevitably find that you've plagiarized more 
But no, I'm just going to go outright and challenge these people to find and scour the internet, find my LinkedIn that is also plagiarized above everything. was like, hold my beer. I got this. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's just crazy. And I, uh, I don't know the, the, the mental gymnastics that this guy probably had to go through just to, uh, just in the, in this whole ordeal, uh, and in his experience of having to, you know, be fired and having to put out a video and talk about, you know, what he did wrong, which he didn't even do. And taking uh, down the video. His career is essentially over. And how do you get back from this? And does he even want to? Does he want to continue to think that he's totally justified in what he did? Um, I mean, he's not going to work with in in uh, in content creation or for any media outlet Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, He's he's dug his cell. Somehow he's dug his grave deeper. And that, to me, is just mind-boggling. Well, that when someone you don't could do that do and on, on a public platform. What? I said, well, when you don't actually do the work, it's pretty yeah. easy to dig that hole. Yeah. Um, to clarify, I want to just clarify this person who's saying I uh, used to be editor-in-chief of the newsletter. I wasn't... That's not what my title was ever. Um, I did run a newsletter. My title when I left IGN was executive editor of the Xbox channel. But... Um, that's it. I was never EIC of anything. But also, I, I've definitely seen some comments on the internet of people being like, IGN is the largest gaming website in the world. How did they not have any idea? Um, and to that, I would like to say that everything at IGN is always on fire. And you are constantly just putting out content and like you're, you don't really have time. You trust your fellow editors. There's a massive amount of trust in that editorial pool. Um, and so... For someone to betray their trust like this, I get it. Like, that's got to be the world's worst feeling to feel like you have gone out with... Like, because IGN is very, like, um, tight-knit. Like, you'll go out to drinks with this person. You'll, like, hang out with them. And then for them to kind of... For them to turn out to be a plagiarist, I can't imagine what that feels like. I, like Naomi, have never worked with this person. He, I left IGN a very long time ago. But I still have friends who work there today. And it's, I just feel really, really bad for all of them because I know that feeling that level of betrayal just sucks. Like, yeah, because you, anybody who gets hired there, I think Altano kind of wrote something like this. Like you just assume that like, because this is such a great, like a cool job and you get to write about video games that everybody would be equally excited about it and want to put in that work. And so for someone to basically, for someone to not do that, to blatantly disregard it, to just copy other people's work and get away with it for as long as he did. Because again, like nobody, there is no running it through a plagiarism check before we publish on the site. That's not a thing that happens. There are editorial checks like people, you will have somebody else read through it to try and make sure that they catch any errors. It's never that intensive of an editing process i will say like usually it's mostly light editing from what i've or that was my experience um but you yeah you're not checking it to make sure that he didn't rip it off of someone else because you assume that in the hiring process and all these things you will find somebody who's genuinely excited and passionate and passionate and like wants to be there and wants to put in the work um so yeah i feel for for all my old buds and for anybody who i don't know there but did happen to work with this person in that situation because yeah betrayal and I think trust it's, is not an easy thing to get over i think it's for somebody no, to 
sorry, the IGN is doing everything right. They're doing everything they need to, and I think they are handling this just as well as they possibly can. You know, they they are going through and taking down a lot of his old reviews and articles, which is hard to do. You know, that's not what you want. You don't want to remove content from your site, but obviously in this case you do. So yes. just shout out to IGN for handling it the way they are. It's not yeah, easy. it's been crazy watching Dan Stapleton really jump into the Reddit threads, jump into the Reset Era threads, and kind of really be present in these conversations. He he tweeted this week, FYI, we've seen enough now, both from the thread and our own searches that we're taking down pretty much everything he did. It's a process, but you'll start seeing stuff come down tonight. And then he, um, his colleague, Justin Davis, tweeted, deeply disappointed and upset that it's looking more and more like we un- wittingly hosted work that was directly lifted from or at best heavily derived from others i assure you we are taking very active steps to remove it all and make it right i feel betrayed and obviously you know steimer mentioned brian altano's response him talking about how philip in his video talked about his passion for video games how it kind of rings falsely because if you truly had the passion you say you do then why would you be taking other people's work instead of doing the work yourself and wanting to get your opinions and your passion for the game that you're talking about out there. And obviously, when you work at a major outlet like IGN, you're going to get assigned games that you're not that crazy about. That doesn't mean that you can plagiarize somebody else's work if you're assigned a review. And it's been really kind of an industry-shaking thing for us because – It's unfortunate that people who are working really hard at IGN are feeling the fallout from this and their entire site's integrity is being questioned. And that sucks because there's a lot of really talented, hardworking folks over there who've done nothing but do the right thing that are now getting cast in this guy's shadow of, you know, like, can we trust anything at IGN? And that's awful. And not to mention all of the publishers that this guy has worked with all of the reviews that have to come down that, you know, they're going to have to try to backfill. It's like, it's a hot, hot mess. I, I feel, like feel so bad for I have, them. I have a hot theory that could be very wrong. Oh, okay. But I'm wondering if Philip had his work ghostwritten. And I say that because unless he was just cuckoo bananas to go on this video and say, I dare you to find more plagiarized content from Jason Shari, who kind of like gets the scoop on everything. You don't do that. Don't dare the internet to do anything. You don't, you no, don't dare the internet to do, do anything, it. let alone that in a public video, which I know he's now deleted. So I'm wondering if he had content ghostwritten and he literally thought there was nothing else plagiarized. It's just a thought. I... <sighs> I don't think so. I think that, that you'd have to pay bad. that ghostwriter, and I don't know. Didn't he come and on off the of salary doing YouTube you make videos? at IGN and yeah. living in San Francisco? But I think you get I think you get ghostwriters for very cheap. I'm not saying I have the correct theory. I just said it's one out there, and it's the only way I can yeah. think of why he would tempt people to go out there and find things that are he knows are there. Yeah, and, but. But no I saw it. It's still to me. From- it still means that it's bad, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah of course, it's awful. That's it's if, not, if he's yeah. plagiarizing other people's work, or if he's using a ghostwriter who's plagiarizing other people's work. It's not it's, good. It's all bad. bad. News bears. <laughs> it's not good. You should not be working as a journalist, an editor at one of the top yeah. if you can't write your own content. Anyway, if- it's also just sad because I mean, obviously, what he did is completely and utterly wrong. But it's like, did you not have anyone there to say why are you going to put out this video? 
Mm-hmm. Why are you plagiarizing content? What's going on? Are you in a place where mentally you're overwhelmed? If so, reach out. Don't be plagiarizing content. Don't put out this video. If anything, if you want to try to secure anything that's left, put out a, a heartfelt apology, own up to it and move on. But I think yeah, maybe but- what happened is he felt like he was backed into a corner and granted he brought all this upon himself. And then he's like, I'm just going to put something out there. He didn't quite think, even though the video was put out a couple days later. It's just bizarre it's, to quote one Alexa Ray cuckoo bananas. But, Super yeah. cuckoo. It is I mean, cuckoo but this bananas, is, this but is I indicative. Uh, sorry, this is indicative of the generation that we're in now of how somebody who started as a YouTuber and then got a job at one of the top gaming journalism sites in the industry mm-hmm. did not probably have the training that a journalist would have. Like when I went to broadcast journalism school and got my degree, we had an entire course just on ethics, on media ethics. And all of that stuff is covered. And it's crazy to think that this isn't just common sense, that you need to take a course on ethics to know, hey, you shouldn't do that. But I mean, that's the kind of um, issues that we're going to run into when there's kids growing up in a YouTube era. They start watching YouTube when they're in their teens, start streaming when they're in their teens. And then they just come up the system not knowing or having somebody there to tell them what's right and what's wrong. I mean, we all hope that they have that moral compass inside to say, this doesn't feel right. I shouldn't be doing this. This is cheating. This is stealing. This is wrong. But sometimes people don't have those. People don't have that that internal guide and they need an outside person or an outside force to say, yo, don't do that, bro. Mm-hmm. That ain't cool. Maybe that's the case here. I'm not making it. I'm not condoning. I'm not saying what he did was okay. I'm just saying, like, I hope that we don't see more of this for that reason. Oh, you know, other big outlets are like having a lot of internal meetings right now. Does anyone need to own up to anything? Because hot damn. <laughs> right? No, I think that's they're true. definitely going to be more asking the question of do we now need to start for new editors running things through plagiarism sites, making sure that nothing like this happens again. I'm sure IGN will definitely try and put some sort of uh, system like that in place. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because once you get burned once... Like, because this is terrible. I just feel bad for the people who now have to hustle and get a new review done. Like, whoever reviewed Dead Cells right after he did... He was Brandon Terrell. Good on you, man. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. Number one, based on the situation on why you have to do it that quickly. And number mm-hmm. two, just reviewing a game quickly in any sense sucks. Yeah. yeah. It was called a re-review. I remember them using that term and I'm like, wow, that's that's a thing now, I guess. <laughs> we have to make sure. Yeah. I think what... Um, I don't know. I, I think if uh, it's all, you know, che- checking and make, maybe plagiarism is just part of the interview process now, you know, like double checking on what they know and uh, like, I don't actually know what if Philip went to school or it sounds like he just did YouTube right before IGN. Did he do anything else? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know much about this man. It might just be a a thing of like, have you gone to university? Do you know the rules around journalism? Do you know? Well, the problem is we couldn't really look at his resume and trust it. (laughs) Oh, and that too. Cause he actually right about that. LinkedIn resume too. You're right. He, yeah, he did play. Apparently (sighs) someone found that he plagiarized uh, even his LinkedIn by copy. Like, literally copying off a job description and putting in his his uh bio like making it seem like that's all he had 
And I mean, it's, who knows if that's true? Yeah, it know? should be pretty easy to figure out if he actually graduated from these places because you can just call the registrar's office. Yeah, there's definitely some yeah. paper trail Yo, did stuff. Did so graduate? Yeah. Yes, no. I, yeah. I just cool. can't imagine that a there's database. still a, a genuine passion for video games and to and for what he was doing to yeah. blatantly plagiarize so much content. I don't. I've never worked at IGN, so maybe it was something else about the allure of working there that he didn't like the work of writing reviews or previews or a resume. I don't know, but I'm then just don't so f- take that job. No, that's exactly it. But what I'm wondering is maybe in the beginning. I don't know. I just I'd like to hear his thoughts, obviously, but I don't know if we'll ever get that. But the problem is if you you can't talk to a person like that. They aren't no, going yeah. to become real. They're never going to level with you. Front, they're not front facing. They're always putting on a mask. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if down the line he opens up. Maybe he's finally getting, because he did delete his last video. So maybe he's talking to some like super PR firm. Like, how do I save my life here? Like, how do I redeem but myself? But it's back up. People already copied it and reposted it. Like, it's, yeah. what's done is done, man. What's, what's on the internet. Done. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of damage uh, control to do here. That's for sure. Indeed. Well, listen, we could probably keep talking about this for quite some time, but it's time to say goodbye. Naomi, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show again. It was so great to see you and to hear about Everybody Games. And um, you have a Patreon page where people can go and see more of your content. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, because you guys are on Patreon. I I do yeah, support you guys. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you guys go to patreon.com slash Naomi Kyle, uh, that's where you can find it. Uh, it just should be clear, though, that's like you're helping the uh, b- by supporting the Patreon, you're helping, you know, fund the continuation of Everybody Games. But there's also other video content that I want to do. I uh, am working on since I w- reached my first goal on Patreon, uh, one of the uh, goals was to make a once a week video game news show. So that's going to be it's going to be shot out of here on same studio. Um, but it's just going to be a wrap up of all the news, kind of like how I did the fix, but on a much smaller scale, only once a week and only covering the topics that, you know, I care about and that I think most people want to talk about. Um, so that'll be something that'll be coming out hopefully this month. But I did get um the gig out in Germany. So, oh, hold up. My phone's ringing. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, it might hopefully happen uh, at the last week of August. So if I can get it in. Um, but yeah, so check out my Patreon. Uh, definitely if you guys uh, like video game content and other things. A lot of Are you still stuff. streaming? Um, I haven't. I've kind of taken streaming, you know, I've, I've stopped doing it uh, regularly. So what I think I'm going to do uh, is see if uh, what I've been exploring actually has been doing multiple platforms instead of Twitch, uh, just to see how those go. And so there there will be more streaming in the future. It's just not set in stone as to what the schedule is for that. We, yeah. we hear you there. Yeah. Our streams yeah. are, are few and far between as well. Well, <laughs> please tough. do go check out check out her page. Check out Everybody Games. You can get it on podcast services, just like you can get What's Good Games. Yep. Um, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in this week. Again, even if you can't support on Patreon or you um, can't you know, do tips or donations or anything financial, uh, a, a like helps, a share, yes. a subscribe, a review. Just a, a little bit of your time helps both Naomi and helps us and helps lift female creators something that we talked a lot about last week when we were talking about um level the pain field so so please head to her channel and stop by and say hello and we will be back next week with lots more news and lots more gameplay to talk about and more details on that awesome um happening that's going down at pax because gamescom kicks off naomi's going to germany and there'll hopefully be lots of juicy news stories for us to discuss until then Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you next time.